In Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. Hello and welcome to Tea Time Theology. I'm your host, Mo, and today's guest is Betsy Fornall. Welcome, Betsy. Thank you, and I'm very delighted to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you here. Um, So as we get started, I guess I wanted to ask if you have a quote for us today. Mo, thanks for asking. I've been thinking about that a lot because there's so many great quotes. There's so many great people who have said things about service and how God calls us to take care of our neighbors in need. But the one that kept reverberating in my mind was a more recent theologian. He'd probably deny that he is a theologian, but he is. And that is our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. And he says regularly and with great feeling, if it's not about love, it's not about God. And that really sums it up. God is love. And that's why and how we serve our neighbors in need, I think, out of love. Definitely. I really love that. It's it's simple. It's easy to remember. And it's easy to kind of pull you back to purpose if ever you get kind of lost. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. So, and, and the ease of remembering it is really important. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Betsy, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you found the church? Ah, well, the church or a church, or I'd rather say, how did God find me? Great. Um, I was, I was raised, um, by a family that attended a Presbyterian church in Pleasantville, New York. Yes, it does exist. (laughs) And um, my family was very active in the church and my mom taught Sunday school and sang in the choir. And so I did it because that's what we did back in those days. And I remember having a friend when I was in high school who, whose father was the rector of an Episcopal church. And One day, she invited me to go to church with her. Now, the Presbyterian Church is rather about word, and our sermons are in the Presbyterian Church were long, and (laughs) you got a lot of scripture, and you got a lot of teaching, but there wasn't a lot of sensate pieces to it. Music was great. That's why I like to sing in the choir. I went to the Episcopal Church with her and found a home in that it fed me sensually. The Episcopal Church is very um, about the senses. You, It's candles, it's, it's beautiful movement, it's tableaus that are, are, are beautifully set, it's changing of the season in, the, in our liturgical vestments. And anyway, I was, that was my conversion. Mm-hmm. And it was all about God and helping other people. And um, the Episcopal Church in the hometown I grew up in was very about helping people, getting food to people who needed it, having 
various groups be able to meet, being on the forefront and talking about the issues of the day. So that's how I found the Episcopal Church. And then when I moved to Rhode Island, um, I joined the Episcopal Church here and um, it, that's been my life. Um, I, went, I became part of the bishop staff three bishops ago in uh, 1991 and I've been on and off the bishop staff ever since. So it's been my life and serving God and God's people has been my joy. So very cool. Very, very cool. I, I kind of, you know, the narrative you just told, it's so clear to me just how much um, love you have in your heart. It seems like you very much lead your life heart first. Um, and mm -hmm. that's just, I'm, it's bringing a lot of good energy to me today. Um, you know, after we're getting close to the end of a, a really long year. And so it's really great to hear just about, you know, this simple idea that can, we can ded dedicate our whole lives to, which is love and, and to God. So, um, so are you currently on the Bishop staff? I am. I serve the Bishop as the director of Episcopal charities. Um, and that started, mm, let's see, it will be almost four years ago now. Um, I followed a woman who had served the diocese for 30 some years in that capacity, who really was the soul of Episcopal charities and kept it moving in a very proactive way. Um, serving our neighbors in need. And so it's hard to step into the shoes of someone. Peggy Amatori was Episcopal Charities, you know, Episcal Charities, Peggy Amatori. Everyone knew Peggy, <laughs> you know. But every, I, I, I'd been around and people knew me as well. So it was, uh, an, uh, I can understand the Bishop's choice. I was a known quantity. I knew the good that Episcopal Charities had done over the years. And so it was a nice, segue to move into that position for me and it's been it's been a phenomenally wonderful experience great and can you tell us what is episcopal charities so episcopal charities um i'll do a little history first so you know where we came from back in 1952 the then rector of saint martin's who is about to become the bishop of rhode island became aware that there were so many things that we could do if we didn't try to do them alone. If we did them as a group, sometimes a group bigger than the whole diocese, but that trying as one church to meet the needs of, that, of a whole community wasn't going to work. So he proposed that we begin Episcopal Charities, which would be a way to at least financially support some of the wonderful ministries that were, were existent but needed more funding. Um, we had just been given a wonderful bequest of land out in Pasco, which is um, now Epis the Episcopal Conference Center. And it, you know, land is great, but if you don't have any money to create something out of it, it isn't going to work. So there were four or five bigger bigger than a church and bigger than the diocese programs that needed extra funding. And so it was a wise idea. We were at a time in this country when people had come back from the Second World War. 
moving to to into homes and raising children and going to church. Churches were full. It was a wonderful opportunity for people to be able to not only give of their money, but to give of their time and talent. So that's how Episcopal Charities began. It began to support, for the most part, church-oriented or church-affiliated entities, the Episcopal Conference Center. St. Mary's Home for Children, which had begun, bless his heart, by a rector at St. Mary's East Providence taking in some children in his parish that were orphaned. And it grew from there into the St. Mary's Home for Children that you know up on Fruit Hill that, that takes care of children who are in need of special treatment because of abuse or neglect. And it's a wonderful program and one that we still support well. Um, so that was another one. I mean, St. Andrew's Home began in that way. Um, church, uh, the Siemens Church Institute in Newport relied heavily on Episcopal charities to get it going. So it's been, it's been, it's, its roots are in the church. And then I would say probably in the 70s or 80s, uh, we became aware, I wasn't involved, but the church became aware that Sometimes outside organizations had a lot of money that they would be willing to give if we weren't just taking care of agencies, nonprofits that were church related, that were bigger than. So they made a switch. And for many years, um, they gave a great deal of money away to all sorts of, of outreach organizations that covered areas of education and art and as well as the church-related ones that were dealing mostly with neighbors in need. And in the past time that since I've been involved, we've kind of are looping back around. We are very definitely focusing on the great need that's out there and the great need that our churches are trying to help to stem. And uh, so we give to fewer organizations, we give slightly larger grants, and for the most part, the money goes to help at-risk children and at-risk elders mm. in the area, in basic human needs, food, shelter, health care, et cetera. So it's, it's wonderful. We, we work to help our churches do more of what they want to do. Our churches are doing an amazing job. There are 15 Episcopal church food pantries or feeding ministries that are working and have worked through the pandemic. Mm. I give them a lot of credit because they are still feeding the people that are dependent on them. So it's been, it's been wonderful to get to know where people go when no one else will help. And the church is one of those places. Right. And are the churches involved in Episcopal charities, are they like member churches? Is every church, Episcopal Church in Rhode Island, a part, or how does that work? Every every church is a, a Episcopal Church is a member of Episcopal Charities. Um, in years past, they've been really, really important to Episcopal Charities in raising money. They would have fun, fundraisers for Episcopal Charity, similar to raising money for their own church. Mm -hmm. um, times have changed, and this pandemic has given us an opportunity to see how far we could go when our churches were not meeting in person. And so we have switched over to almost entirely electronic 
with a couple of letters that the bishop writes and we mail every year. But people are being hugely generous, um, even in this time of great uncertainty and distraction. People have been incredibly generous with Episcopal charities. When we knew that this wasn't this pandemic wasn't going to be over in a month or so, uh, Episcopal charities began a special fund called Charities Now. And it was our goal with Charities Now that any money that was given to that fund, we would get out the door as quickly as we could to one of the churches that were feeding people or one of the agencies our churches work with that were still feeding people or doing health care with people, etc. And people have been hugely responsive. I think they liked the idea that they could push a button and give us a, a gift and they knew that it would go right out. Episcopal Charities generally works that we collect money all year long. And in December, we say, okay, we can give to this these 40 different endeavors, nonprofit agencies that we've vetted and visited and read through, you know, a stack of papers like that, and then given them a grant. This way was more instinctual. You know, we knew them. We, we knew our agencies and we certainly knew our churches. So when I discovered that, for example, St. Luke's in Pawtucket was still feeding meals to people, they figured out how to do it. They put them in, you know, containers and people would come and they they put them in a bag out on the curbside and the people would come walking in and grab the bag and go home and eat it. That was terrific because those 60 or so people counted on them for a meal. Mm. And their faith said, we still feed people, even in the middle of a pandemic. And that was wonderful. And that happens. That's all over our diocese. We've got places that are doing that. It's really incredible. Yeah, that really is amazing. Um, and so there are, you know, 15 or so churches that do food pantry type deals. Um, what happens, you know, if a church has a specific idea or if an organization has a specific idea, there are ways to apply for grants from you guys? Absolutely. Either a church, um, we are particularly helpful to churches that are in that infant stage that say, for example, we'd love to do a community meal, but we need a new refrigerator freezer or we're not going to be able to pass the code, the health code to be able to have a meal in this place. We're, we have a special fund that we're able to give them money towards equipping them for that. Or, for example, uh, St. Paul's in Pawtucket has been the only indoor shelter in the wintertime through access through House of Hope. And last year, they, they learned the hard way that their bathroom situation was just not going to, to be able to stand muster any longer. And so they raised some money and they asked for a grant that we were able to help them rebuild their bathrooms so they could continue to house people. They aren't fortunately, are unfortunately are not able to house them this winter because they couldn't provide enough space between people. Yeah. Um, but, but those are the kinds of things that we do for our churches in particular, or a, a church says, we really want to start a food pantry, but we have an empty room. How do we get shelves? And, you know, we said, no problem. Tell us what you need. And we give them a grant for that. So that's, that's one thing. Um, if a church is partnering with an agency to do a particular kind of work, 
we would, um, they would recommend that agency to us. The agency would fill out an application. We, our application periods in the springtime from the middle of March to the end of April. And their recommendation, the church's recommendation is what is a big plus for us because we're saying, all right, this church is working with this nonprofit agency to, to meet the needs in their local community. How can we be of help? Um, and it really works. It really works. So um, that's how we operate now. Um, and I think for the foreseeable future, that's the way it's going to be. We support our diocesan ministries and we support the agencies that our churches want us to support. And we give support to the churches as they begin their own projects. And some of them work and some of them don't. Mm. You know, uh, it's a joy to serve, and I think that's at the that's at the heart of it. Each and every time I have an opportunity to do hands-on ministry with my neighbors, I go away being fed far more than they are. They have perhaps a meal in their under their belt, and that's wonderful. But it feeds my soul to know that I have been. God's hands and feet in being able to do this. And that's what it's about. So we're the cheerleaders for our churches who are doing incredible ministry. When we're not in pandemic mode, there are even more of our churches. There isn't one church that isn't doing something to help their neighbor. It's just who we are. It's who God calls us to be. So that happens. And, and to help our Neighbors through the agencies that are, I mean, we have phenomenal small local agencies in every town who are feeding people. They couldn't make it without the big guys, without the uh, Rhode Island Community Food Bank. Most of them are members of that. We've got to have the food bank. Mm -hmm. But they're the ones that day after day, week after week, are filling the sacks of food and meeting the people and hearing the people's stories because along with feeding them in their body, having the chance to talk with them and hearing them and acknowledging that they exist, that God cares about them, is really, to my mind, more important. Sometimes they can't listen if they're hungry. <laughs> Once you've fed them, then you can hear their story and they have wonderful stories. And so service, outreach, um, loving your neighbor is what it's all about. Wow. Um, it's just incredible. I feel so inspired and, um, you know, I want to get out there and, and do something right now. Um, mm -hmm. For people who maybe want to be more involved, um, you know, I imagine they can donate to Episcopal Charities, but are, is there some kind of um, connection program to, you know, sending volunteers to certain places or collaboration programs? Um, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, how can people seek out this kind of work to get involved? Well, their, their first source, I'll definitely plug their home church. Um, each Episcopal church is doing something in the community. And if that's 
if that's your inspiration to go to church and the, your church doesn't seem to be doing much about it, well, then God sent you there to get them out the door. And every, every place is different. Some places are much better at raising money to give to people to do things. They're very inspired in that way. But a lot of our other churches are getting really hands-on. Um, Loaves and Fishes, Rhode Island. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yes. It's not running, it's not operating right now because their volunteers are for the most part of an age and the worry that they could not feed that with their catering truck, people see a catering truck and they kind of congregate and they just were bewildered on how they could continue to do it and keep people safe. But they're going to come again. It's a fabulous ministry. And I'm really hopeful that if people are interested in feeding their neighbors, that is a stellar way to do it. And it's ecumenical. It is not just Episcopal churches. There are, I think, 14 churches um, that cross denominational bounds and one catering truck. It's kind of have, have truck will travel. And it's been one of the most meaningful things to people that I talk, talk to about it. So stay tuned. That's a great ministry. Um, right now, while we're all semi sequestered at home, it may not seem as though there's anything you can do besides write that check or push that button um, to give. But there is. Let's think really small and think about your neighborhood. Think about who lives there. Think about who might need some cheering up or a hand. Or if you're going to the grocery store, call them up and say, can I get you something? Especially those who are of an age that we're all quite aware of, who are trying to avoid going to stores and doing things like that. Individual caring for our neighbor, it's, it can be literal. Take care of your neighbor. That's a way, that's a way to help. And th that will bring you, that's where the joy is for me. Sometimes just that odd chance you have to do something nice for someone else. You know, I, I will not poo-poo the, the paying it forward idea. The only thing bad about paying it forward, it's, it, it lacks that personal touch of being able to see that person and, and give it. But, you know, if you can, anything that you can do that can bring a little of God's love to them in any way you can do it, just do it. That's simple, but it can be profound and you will be blessed. Amen. Betsy, thank you so much. Um, I feel like we have covered so much in such little time. Um, before we kind of wrap up the interview, do you want to plug how people can find Episcopal Charities and um, any social medias or websites? You can find out about Episcopal Charities on the diocesan website, www.episcopalri.org. Um, and there are pages about what we do. We are on uh, Facebook, not so much on Twitter. I don't, I'm not a tweeter. <laughs> uh, but in any event, um, we try to email um, all the email addresses we have for Episcopalians, which is never everybody. Uh, we try to email them twice a month to tell them what what people are doing, how they can help. 
And if they would like to, at this very important time of year, send a check, however large, you can send it to uh, 275 North Main Street, that's Diocesan House in Providence, or and to Episcopal Charities, or um, online, uh, we have, if you, if you Google it, you will find the Vanco attachment on the diocesan website, and you can give electronically just as well. But do it not just for the sake of our brothers and sisters. Do it for yourself. It's a it's a gift you give to yourself by helping your neighbors in need. Hmm. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Um, it was such a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very glad we finally got it together to be together. Yes, me too. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology. We would like to thank our sponsor, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island, and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nicely. We would like to thank Mario Aconde and Jack Zornado for the music, Taylor Wilkie and Ivy Swinsky, our producers, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias. In Christ now meet both east and west, in him meet south and north, all Christ's souls are